This podcast is brought to you by Overtake Motorsport. Hello everyone and welcome to the first edition of Where the Hell is Scurs, a podcast brought to you by Overtake Motorsports. My name is Pedro Lorantes and I'm pleased, I'm honored to be joined by both halves of the Hun brothers, Chris and Alex. Chris, how are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Thanks very much for having us on. Yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to this. I mean, I talk about enough F1 as it is. It's finally good to give it to an audience. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Pedro. And uh, yeah, this is my first podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to getting to it. Right. Before we get on to it, I would like to make a quick uh, mention about your Twitter account, The Brothers Hunt. Could you please talk a little bit more about it? Because I've, I've surely been enjoying uh, reading it in my timeline. I was going to say, yes. So the Twitter account is uh, it's at um, Hunt Brothers F. Uh, Oh, was it Hunt Brothers F1 or Brothers Hunt F1? Oh, no. No, it's at Hunt, it's at Hunt Brothers F1. And, yeah, basically, at the moment, we we are a YouTube channel, but uh, we haven't got any videos at the moment due to work and family. I, I've had a kid. <laughs> and so the Twitter's the main source of um, what we're doing at the moment, and I'm in charge of it. And, yeah, it's going quite well, doing lots of interacting, doing interactions with yourselves and uh, other and overtake themselves so yeah it's uh, mm. quite well so far for what is just me doing twitter on a, of an evening so it's, yeah yeah it's quite an interesting way to be able to react quickly to stuff that's happening within f1 because sometimes one news breaks you want to get your immediate reaction out and twitter is one of the best ways to do it especially from the fact that you can do it with a humorous slant which is, i think is something we always kind of like to do i mean as alex said we've not been able to do any videos for about a year or so but our previous um videos on our youtube channel have been very much humor orientated so we kind of like to pull that through but we also like to mix it with these series from time to time as well so it's it's one of the best avenues i think especially for motorsport just to get your word out and not just necessarily F1, IndyCar, BTCC, anything that's on essentially. So it's it's quite a nice avenue for us just to really be nerds. I must say, Alex is pretty much in, in charge of it, but I often reply to many of his tweets uh, yes. and to many other people who respond to us as well. So you get quite a good sense of the community that's out there as well. I will say most of your replies, Chris, do tend to be Paul the Rester in a false India. <laughs> of course. I mean, we've got to live up to expectations, right? <laughs> All right. Shall we get on with it? Yeah, let's kick off. All right. Thanks for the shout out. It's been quite a busy week. Uh, We had the Dutch GP. Everyone moved. It was like a giant game of musical chairs. Let's begin with uh, last week's race. Your thoughts on it? Well, I thought it was actually enjoyable without being an overtake fest. It was was tense. So you had Hamilton and Verstappen. You couldn't tell if Hamilton was going to be able to catch up. So you, you've got something to watch. But further down the field, there are a decent amount of overtakes for what is a uh, very tight, twisty track. So I was pleasantly surprised, but I'm looking forward to it with the uh, new regs next year. Yeah, same sort of thing to Alex. Um, I enjoyed the race. Uh, it wasn't exactly a nail-biter per se, but I wasn't at any point bored. At no point did I start flicking through the phone and being like, okay, this is one of those races like we've seen plenty of over the last couple of years. Um, I, <laughs> exactly. I think... One of the things that really helped was that we had one Red Bull right at the front and the other one not able to be a rear gunner. Watching Perez come through the field was quite interesting because obviously he was the one making the prime amount of overtakes. We saw quite a few from people like Alonso, Norris, but Perez was the biggest mover. So you had a bit of the action there. Um, you had the 
the kind of close battle between Hamilton and Verstappen and the added pressure on Verstappen of it being his home race, it being his first home race and possibly in the, he's the first Dutch, he's the only Dutch winner. So to be the first Dutch winner on home soil, all that jazz, I mean, that was entertaining. And of course, the track just looked gorgeous on TV. Yeah, Watching those cars go around that track was phenomenal. Like the banking at turn three, the final corner, some of the camera angles they had, it was just a joy to watch. And part of it would have been because it's the first Grand Prix there. And of course, the crowd actually, the atmosphere did kind of come through the TV in a way as well, which helped. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would say, I'll give it like a seven out of ten. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Well, I'm glad you touched on those two things, both on my fellow countrymen and the banking. Mm. Let me start with the latter. As a NASCAR fan, I was extremely happy. I was like, oh, banking, yay. <laughs> like half an oval, right on a turn. And I was really um, excited to see Alonso because you could see his experience in IndyCar through that very corner, right? Mm. And the Paris thing, I was about to ask you, both, guys, uh, both of you, Another question, is he really the driver of the day? I mean, I know fans vote on that, but was he really deserving of the driver of the day? The driver, in terms of race day, I would say probably he's up there. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for the Sunday itself, I think, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're doing the whole weekend, clearly not. But I think for the actual race itself, yeah, I think that's a very good shout. I think he's definitely he's up, he's up there for the action of the day. I'll give him that. The the most like obviously the highest amount of overtakes and that sort of thing. Um, I still I'm still I'm still giving a lot to Verstappen and the composure he had because it would have been really easy for a 23 year old on his maiden campaign for the World Championship to cock up there. So I'm kind of in two minds. I'm in two minds of like the the the, the delivered drive he did or the kind of Banzai stuff we saw from Perez. So I'd say it's a mix between the two. It's it's probably going to pe- depend on a day-by-day basis. You can ask me today, I'm going to say that. Tomorrow, I might have a completely different answer. But I'd say it's between two. Um, I don't think really anybody else had a a drive that was as noteworthy. Possibly Alonso, possibly scraping at Norris. But yeah, I'd say the Paris guys are out. As the Paris guys, the Red Bull guys are out in front for that one. I'd say Gasly was up there in terms of notability, but he was mm-hmm. pretty much there the whole time. So that it was once much overtaking, but being cool and calm at the right mm-hmm. time. Bit of a lonely race for him. Yeah, you know, good, good I know I wouldn't talent. have, I wouldn't have given it to Perez, mm-hmm. but I don't know who I would have picked. I didn't vote. Mm-hmm. I never do. Mm-hmm. I would probably pick Verstappen or Hamilton just for the effort of trying to catch a car that you clearly weren't going to catch. Mm. I know. I almost gave it to Bossas for the fact that he almost completely ignored team orders. I found that very entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. I was I wasn't expecting him to actually do it because yes, it clearly he backed off, but surely you know if you're that much in front, you need to slow down a lot more. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll give him an honourable honourable mention then. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you know you're leaving the team, you can get away with it, can't you? Exactly. I loved it. It it was him just throwing the house out of the window, right? Yeah. I'm leaving. <laughs> Absolutely. To hell with it. <laughs> Thanks for the uh, last five years. Thanks for the uh, constructors' titles. But yeah, no, it's time I'm to go. Really. <laughs> I'm looking for the forward for the one time we get the radio message where it goes, James, it's Valtteri, <laughs> and then you know, chaos happens. <laughs> oh God, could you imagine what Twitter would do if that happened? My word. <laughs> well, they've got. I want to see man. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Come on, Valtteri. You can do this. You got this, Valtteri. Leave with a bang before Alfa Romeo. <laughs> right. Speaking about drivers in, in new places, let's talk a little bit about the driver market after a very busy week. Your favorite move from all the moves that happened? Oh, it's um. I know this is going to sound ridiculously predictable coming from a Brit, but I've I've watched Russell since Formula Two essentially when I first started really getting into the lower categories, and he always stood out. So to see him getting that drive for me, it was it was F one's worst kept secret, as many people have said. But I was very very happy to see it. But kind of a runner up, and I wasn't expecting this at the beginning of the year. Albon Williams really excited about that prospect. I think Albon's got good talent. I think Williams are really on the upswing uh, under Capito. So I'm really intrigued to see where that's going to go. I've really got high hopes about that one. Yeah, well, I was clearly Russell to Mercedes. Well, any driver going to a world title winning car is always good. But I, you've alluded to it there with Albon going back to Williams, where there'll be less pressure. He's with someone he knows in Latifi. They were teammates at Dams, weren't they, in F2? So that this could this is the new era for Williams because this is the first non-Frank Williams signing ever. Because both Russell and Latifi were hired under under Frank Williams and Claire Williams' tutelage, so it's a pro- the proper start of a new era for them. And with the new regs, I wouldn't be surprised if Albon gets podiums next year. The way you said it, it just completely synced with me. I hadn't thought about it. it it's the it's the first thing that the Williams family has nothing to do with, right? Mm. Yeah. So you've got all you've got Reutzman, Jones, Hill, Mansell, all those under Williams, and now, boom, Maldonado. Well, <laughs> let's move on to this new chapter. It's interesting. It says there's two drivers as well. I think in the in the driver market, Albon's getting the another chance, which I think, frankly, he deserves. I'm also really? intrigued to see what's. I think what is also going to be interesting is what happens with Alfa Romeo. I honestly would have. If I had the choice between Alfa and Williams, I probably would have gone with Williams based on their upswing. But after the way it sounds that Bottas deliberately chose them because of it, sounds like there might be something interesting up the sleeve there. And for Bottas to potentially do something of a of like a Vettel with um, Aston Martin to possibly try and you know rally the team around them for a bit, get them into new parts, especially as we don't really know who's going to be taking that second seat yet, I think that could be really interesting foray. And hopefully we might actually see the real Bottas 2.0. Like, he'll tuck into his porridge properly this time, we'll see a different different result from him. So, I'm intrigued about that too. I mean, I'm still, I'm still leaning more towards Williams as being the better move, but I'll be intrigued to see what happens at Alpha. So, so I was going to say, that the, the Bottas to uh, Alpha move makes sense with Fred Vasser, because he mm. was in charge of Bottas when he won the F3, what, what is now what, the GP3 title back in 2011. So, it's course, there's an element of feeling more comfortable there rather than going to a whole new set of people he probably doesn't know because he won't know Capito at all or Dor- Doralton at all. Hmm. Fair enough, I good point. That's probably yeah. his thinking and, yeah, for him, I think it's the right choice. So yeah. when you say Votas 2.0, I guess you mean Botas the driver, not Botas the wingman. Uh, yeah, hopefully as a driver, yeah. <laughs> Let's be completely honest there. Um, yes, I would like to see that. I mean, I remember when he was coming up through Williams, um, some of his drives there were superlative. And there was quite we, he got quite a bit of support of all of us from the amazing things he did at the Martini-Williams team. Mm. So it'd be quite nice to see a bit more of that again. But if he ends up playing second fiddle to Giovinazzi, that'll be a complete mind-blower. <laughs> well, he, he, might, he might not play second to Giovinazzi because Giovinazzi might not be there next year. 
exactly. I'm very, very intrigued about that lineup. That's the that's the that's the one we've got, that's the one seat that's left, isn't it? The rest of the driver markets are confirmed now. Uh, it's potentially yeah. two because although we're assuming it's just the Alpha, if Mick Schumacher decides he's going to go jump to Alpha, then you got one at Haas, mm. which will be that a whole other set of drivers to the, to pick from. Yeah, that's an interesting thing sure. as well because I know. I know the, the relationship wasn't exactly harmonious before the Dutch Grand Prix, but there's a significant turning point there between Mazepin and Schumacher in that mm-hmm. lap one move and then the, the comments made by both drivers afterwards. Um, it's quite interesting that now the relationship has become definitely quite fractious and to the stage where, yes, I could imagine one of them jumping ship because they don't want to be next to the, next to the um, other driver. Yeah, well, it, well we, already, we know what Mazepin's like. We saw what he did at Spa last year. In F2, hitting the board into Sonoda. Whether it was meant to be into Sonoda, I'm, I'm not too sure, but he did. But the surprise for me is Schumacher. He comes across as this cool, calm, collected, nice bloke. But much like his dad, there is a streak to him, which is, I'm going to win at all costs. Yeah, That element of Michael Schumacher is in there. It's just yeah. not coming out near the front of the grid and coming out as race mm-hmm. wins, unfortunately. It's, it's the one comment he said about he's got this um, Schumacher saying about Mazepin. He's got this like he's got this weird desire to be in front of me at any cost, which mm-hmm. kind, kind of seems like a bit like the pot calling the kettle black. Because there's been a few instances I'm sure where Schumacher, Mick Schumacher, has done a similar sort of thing. It's interesting how the perceptions are getting a little bit blurred here between the two drivers. I mean, obviously, I still think Mick's the, the far superior driver, but there's going to be instances where Mazepin can possibly fight back. He's shown he's got some modicum of talent in some places so it's going to be interesting to see when that does happen if how Schumacher reacts to it if it happens more frequently it was kind of harsh wasn't it it, it kind of gives you a sense of how maybe the entire grid sees Mazepin it's almost mm-hmm. as this guy can't pass me right I'm on my own racing because this guy's going to be way far back or crashing into someone else <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think it's when you've you've only got your teammate to fight, and when, as as you say, the grid already has a perception of Mazepin, particularly as his dad's now essentially in charge of the economics of the Haas F1 team. Mm-hmm. You get a reputation straight off the bat. Let's, let's ignore the Instagram stuff from the end of last year. That's a whole different issue, and worse. Mm-hmm. But but then the moment you start acting out or not doing what you really should be that reputation is just going to increase and it's going to come back to bite you. And it's mm. appearing to do so at the moment. It's a question so, of how so, much Daddy Mazepin is able to protect his son. How long do you think this could last for? Oh, it depends how long he's going to be in charge of the team for. I don't want to draw comparisons to Lawrence Stroll and Aston Martin. But it's going to be a similar sort of thing. Mazepin's always going to put his son first. And while Lawrence Stroll, I'm sure if something happens, he might you know, put a different driver in for the success of his company. We know Mazepin's dad is not going to do that. Whatever happens, Nikita's going to be in one of those seats. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, there's, whilst there are comparisons to make with the Strolls, it's Lawrence Stroll, I think, would have the backbone to kick Lance out if Lance wasn't performing at the right level. I don't think Dimitri Mazepin would do that for Nikita. No, I agree. I agree. Which is, it's an, it's an indictment of F1, but F1 has always been like that. So it's, you don't want to see it, but it's not a surprise because it yeah. has happened. Not quite so much with father and sons, but people coming in with money. So it's just a slightly different familial relationship. 
Mm. Well, bottom line, could Giovinazzi save his seat at Alfa Romeo? After Sunday, I don't think he can. Had he on the the qualifying was brilliant, seventh place. Had he finished in the points, I think, yeah, he's on his way to saving seat. But falling down the grid quite so badly, yes, he had a puncher, but he did. He lost out in the first lap battles, somewhat unfortunately, but he just didn't appear to have the pace in the race, and it. I think that's probably, this isn't just a one-off, this is a trend and it's, mm. he may have had his chance. He's had three seasons, so he's been given the chances, but yeah, he doesn't seem to be improving on a race day. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things, I think, um, historically with Giovinazzi, some of his best weekends have also been his worst ones. I mean, if you look at Spa, where he's on track to score one of his, some of his oh. first points, I think he was, was he eighth at the time? And then had that... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I had that massive crash through pull on her with only like a few laps to go. That was one of his most, that was one of his best races, then followed up by one of the biggest throwaways of his career, of his season up to that point. I think the main thing that's going to be the issue now is that Bottas is joining him. If it was someone like Guan Yu Zhou, someone who's not had F1 experience, they might want to consider keeping Giovinazzi because he's got the experience with the team, he's got the experience with Formula One. Now there's a much more experienced driver coming through, somebody who I believe is probably much faster than him too. Why would they keep him there? I can see mm. in some situations, yes, because he has shown some fantastic spurts of talent. But the issue is, is it worth keeping somebody in the junior category who's going to be hungrier for that drive and possibly actually better? So I can see it going both ways. Honestly, I I don't know. Then who would they replace him with? We got Granny Joe. We got Callum Eilat. Possibly we have um, Nico Hulkenberg's name. He's even being thrown around there. Nick DeVries. Well, I think Nick DeVries. Yeah, yeah. The interesting the the whilst you look at Eilat and Joe as being probably good shouts, and personally I like to see Eilat. The wild card is Teo Porcher because mm. he is an he's a Salva um, Academy driver and. To be honest, if you shoved him in that car for next year, I think he does well. Mm. The issues are, would you then run the risk of red bulling it and then putting him one year too early? Could he use one more year in the junior formula, which is one more year, you could have Giovinazzi, then kick him out. Well, it depends how quickly, well, it depends how much you need to keep Porsche in the Salvador Academy. Because if Red Bull, Mercedes are all going, yeah, we quite like him. We will take him for a 2022. But if Salvador can say, we'll give you a seat, in F1 for 2022, yeah. I think they might have they might have to play the hand that they're given by everyone else. Yeah. Rather than making their own choice. Yeah, there's a sort of thing, that one-year gap as well, if Giovin actually suddenly has a stormer, or if you get him kind of like a reserve driver, like, not to say Perez was going to fill that role, but Perez kind of seemed like a, hey, we'll put him in Red Bull for a little bit and just try and get the constructors. Then he performed quite right. well at the beginning and it's been a little bit rocky since. But he's, he's got another year deal, which I was happy to see so i'm intrigued about that how do you sign somebody that's not that's uh, not technically giovanazzi and keep them for only a year like do you go to nico hulkenberg and say right you are going to be here for a year regardless of your performance that's it like it's a tricky it's, subject nico could be an option for that right because mm. it's not like nico is racing constantly and there's really or at least i don't see any desire on on his part to do that yeah It'd be, it's be, oh, that it's, this is going to be, a, this is actually more fascinating than it's any, any genuine you think, because Bottas gives so many different reasons to pick other drivers. It's so strange. Bottas is the stability. Bottas is yeah. now essentially the team leader, no matter who they pick as the, 
as his teammate. So you, they've essentially got a free choice. So mm. I, if I was them, I'd go for a complete rookie. It's just a question of which one. And are you thinking long term? Are you thinking, let's see what he can do and put Porsche in 23 or 24? Mm. Uh, it's, it is, that is a quandary for them. Uh, it's, if Fred Vasseur is thinking the long term for this team is, well, it could be Arlo, it could be Porsche, it could be Joe. In which case, you just put them in. But if they're not the long term option, yeah, who can you pick that's going to do a year and not be unhappy about it? And hope that, or hope that Giovinazzi doesn't suddenly get podiums and wins out of nowhere. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, that's a hell of a question. Hockenberg <laughs> is my first choice for that. And let's hmm. change drivers uh, real quick. Gonna tell you about my favorite move, which wasn't really a move. It was just Alpha Tauri uh, confirming Pierre Gasly for next hmm. year. Yep. Hmm. That's a, that's some sense from Red Bull. Yeah, that's that's a lot of sense to retain him because he is performing so well, and I can only imagine that. I, I this might, this may be just a theory that's in my head only, but I'm sure Alpine are probably keen to get Gasly on at some point. I imagine that's a team that probably he's a focus at some point because Alpine we know have high sights, we know have got Alonso and Ocon, who sure he got a race win this year, but hasn't been doing incredibly breathtaking stuff throughout other races. I've always imagined that Alpine wants to take him, so Red Bull retaining him for just a bit long is a very good idea because he's getting some stonkingly good results. Yeah, it's it's if if everything closes up, particularly next year as well as planned, you'll suddenly have potentially Red Bull with got Verstappen and Perez at the front doing what they need, and then they have Gasly constantly there poking at McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes, and whoever else decides they're going to make a brilliant car next year. So that's mm. a third car they could have in any battle near the front of the grid. And it's, I don't know why they don't want him in Red Bull, but I think keeping Alpha Tauri is probably one of their best signings. I was going to touch on that, actually. Why not put him in a Red Bull? for Not for 2022, of course, but 2023. Hmm. It, it makes no sense well, to me. In theory, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd have put him in next year, to be honest, or because he's... You've got to say Paris has got a shelf life and hasn't shown stonking ability yet. Yes, he's won a race, but he's he's dropped off massively since then. But I can only assume it's the way he works. It doesn't work with everyone at Red Bull. I can only assume it's that. Or it's just, I want some focus. Please, can it not all be on Verstappen? And I can only assume it's that, because why would you let a driver hang around in what is perceived to be a lower team on the grid. I think they're about mm-hmm. fast this year or something. So it's it's an odd choice, but I can, yeah, it's got to be something to do with his working attitude within the team, mm. which is a shame because he the talent is clearly there. And if he was pushing the snap and could, could only imagine what those two would be doing against Mercedes. Yeah, there's not much more I can add to that really. It's a, it's a really bizarre one. It's one of the, one of the bizarre, most bizarre things we're going through at the moment. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting in future years what happens to Gasly. Do they come back into the Red Bull team? We've got quite a few Red Bull juniors coming up who might want to get one of those Alpha Tari seats at some point. And what if Gasly does Ricciardo and realises that, OK, Red Bull are so focused on Schlappen, he kind of needs to get out, otherwise he's going to possibly get shafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that leads to all manner of disasters that could finally get into a consistent wins or podiums or the opportunity to, at least. It's... 
ridiculous. Make an educated guess about what's going to happen. The problem for Gasly is that if he does jump ship, he's got nowhere to go. Ricardo had enough cred behind him that he could get into the Renaults and the McLarens without any problem, and there were seats open. But I can't see any seat openings at any team better than Alpha Tauri for at least, well, 2023 at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Mercedes have got they're there for two years. Uh, I don't know about McLaren. I don't know how long Ricardo's got on his deal, but I can't imagine he'll retire at the end of next year. Ferrari is sorted. Uh, Alpine is sorted because of o- Ocon's uh, extended deal. Mm. And yeah, Aston Martin, I don't think you're going to have him either because you got, why would you drop Vettel for Gasly? Yeah. Actually, McLaren my, my could be a choice. I mean, in the future, I, I got a sense Ricardo's days are counted. I mean, at some point, you got to run out of patience with him, do you? Yes, that's so, a very yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a shit. In fairness, I'm being slightly biased because I like Ricardo. I want to see him do well at McLaren, and would like to see him there for a good few years. But if he keeps this up, neither him nor the team are going to want him. So it's mm-hmm. yeah. If he does have a particularly poor 2022, I think Gasly might be a very good option for 23. Yeah, I mean, there's been quite a few times in interviews where Ricciardo said like, okay, this year's not going so well, but this year's kind of the build-up for the next year. Like, it's um, this is kind of his learning experience. Granted, it's a very long learning experience so far, especially if you consider the fact George Russell jumped into a Mercedes that was too small for him and almost won in his first race only a couple of like a couple of days after figuring out he's going to do it. And we're now halfway through the season, and Ricciardo is still trailing Norris by over half his points. Ricciardo has. If if ne- this year, the rest of this year and next year go badly, he will be able to leave with this of height because he'll probably go to America and probably do IndyCar and join the McLaren SP team, or he'll mm. do um, NASCAR because we know he loves NASCAR and he the the number he's got is because of Dale Earnhardt, so it's the number three. So it's yeah. he, his escape clause is going to America for me. Actually, and if yeah. next, next year and a half are that bad. Think that'll be Nasser could go crazy about uh Ricardo or they could get yeah. really pissed, yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it, his, his uh, his humor works particularly with European circles because it is well, it's a European humor and he is just a bit mad, yeah. And I don't know if the Nes- NASCAR grandees would get on with that mm. I, I think most of the younger viewers would but I think the team owners well probably won't this, this is a probably slightly antiquated view of NASCAR but I see them as being what F1 was like under Bernie interesting okay a bit more sort of. yeah not a bit more conservative and then it, small c and just we're here for racing don't need you to go nuts unless you're Carl Bush I mean, from what I've, I've heard from fans all this uh, season, which is a very different season, they added uh, seven road courses and a bunch of crazy stuff they had never done before. The younger yeah. guys, the younger generations, seem to be the ones that are most, more pissed about, about all the changes, surprisingly. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. They like their ovals. They don't like turning left and right. They hated the uh, 
they put dirt on an oval. They made it run a dirt oval. They didn't like that either. So I don't know. Maybe the old timers get behind. Ricardo. Oh, that was Bristol, wasn't it? Yeah, that was Bristol. That was Bristol, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yes. I, I know that's harking back to um, what NASCAR originally was. And I, mm-hmm. from my point of view, not being a huge NASCAR fan, I thought, then why not? Let's give it a go. But if it's the younger generation that aren't enjoying it, that surprises me slightly. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, the 60-year-olds, yeah. the 50-year-olds, they, they like it. Some even are starting to compare NASCAR to the Australian V8, the supercars. Really? Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that's... Ooh. <laughs> that's uh, that's a bit contentious. <laughs> that's very contentious, yeah. Right? It's in a bit of a stretch. Yeah, that's oh, there's still a lot more ovals than our road courses, so it's yeah, I, that's an interesting one. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's always gonna there's always gonna be some pushback when you go from ninety five percent ovals to seventy five percent. But mm-hmm. well, has it been a good season this year? Because I've heard lots of stories about it, and it seems to be quite competitive. But it's been really fun to watch as a fan. And behind the scenes uh, for all the political environment and everything, it's been quite refreshing because they changed the schedule. They basically kicked Donald Trump out of the sport. He's erased. He doesn't exist. And they've been really inclusive, right? You've seen drivers from the UK, drivers from Australia. There's a really good Mexican driver in the mix. He just missed the playoffs by like two spots. It's the sort of stuff you didn't see in NASCAR. And it was the sort of stuff that took a lot of respect out of NASCAR. Hmm. Given this is, the, this is the sport that has highlight reels on YouTube of um, people getting overtaken uh, bumper to bumper and then spinning the other guy out two corners later. Yeah. yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a change, but that's good to hear. Is it still the France family in charge of NASCAR? Sort of. They're descendants of the Fryans family, but the Friends family, or at least the this boxy old school people that used to run the show, Brian Friends and his son, yeah. they're yeah. not uh, in any sort of significant control of the sport. Oh, okay. So, Hence why uh, all the changes. I mean, if it wasn't up for them, yeah. like you said, just like Bernie, they wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. I know the Friends family are well, they've basically run NASCAR since the 50s, haven't they? So it's mm-hmm. that would explain why there's been quite so many changes. But yeah, that's yeah. Right. Well, shall we uh, change back to open wheels? I don't know. Oh, oh yes. I was, I was, I was not, yeah, because we I saw the recording sign and yeah, yeah, there was issues there. But I was going with them. Um, we got Portland IndyCar this weekend. Yes. And the Junkos team are back, but they've got a driver who is in line or who could be in the alpha seat for next year. And it's Callum Eilat. Oh, He's yes, racing, of course, yeah. racing in Portland this weekend. And whilst he won't be doing a Christian Lungard by qualifying fourth uh, about a month ago, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with it. Because mm. there's everyone, everyone I've seen talk about him, whether it's autosport, the race, or Formula One themselves, they talk about... Palomino having natural raw pace and talent. Yeah. And the right. theory is, and the theory is that 
in an indie car with without power steering, without having to be so precise with your lines, is that it might suit him rather well. And I can see it being a good weekend for him, although possibly not with the highs that Grosjean and uh, Lundgaard have had so far this season. Yeah, something that's been quite nice, actually. It's been, I think, definitely extenuated by um, uh, Grosjean. I've watched IndyCar for about three years or so now, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's now it's nice when, seeing... when they started Sky Sports F1, Sky Sports F1 wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that's when I started getting into it. Um, it's yeah. quite interesting the amount of respect that's now heading towards IndyCar. When people started mm-hmm. to realise there's no power steering and started to realise the races are damn long and that there's only four people in the pit crew, that sort of thing. It's interesting now, especially with Grosjean doing quite so well in it, it's gained kind of more traction with the European F1 fans. I'm um, especially finding it with people I'm talking to in Britain. Uh, they now, if it's on, they're like, oh, we'll watch it, as opposed to being like kind of laid back. Now they're getting more into knowing who the main characters are, knowing a bit more about the history. And what's quite nice is actually people are not, there's there's a big thing for years about F1, the oval races, and they'd always get mocked for some reason or another. People are starting to realise quite how bloody brilliant they are, like, and quite how much fun they are to watch. So mm-hmm. it's been quite nice to see that gaining traction. Excuse the pun. Yeah, but yeah, it is noticeable that I, I know you and I, Chris, both particularly enjoy the ovals. It's open wheelers and it's it's doing something we don't do here in Europe. And it's mm. it, knowing how difficult it is by watching as many as we have, it's great fun to watch because of the difficulty, not necessarily because they're side by side all the time, but because you know that they're really working for that. And it's, it's a lot of skill that most drivers, including most European based drivers will never have. Yeah. That's the thing. The end, the end of the first race, when you them, they get, they uh, talking to Polo, took his gloves off and you can see cuts in his hands because it was the first race yeah. and he wasn't used to the um, level of power, like the level of steering it's going to be. That's insane. Like that's yeah. absolutely remarkable. Funny thing, now that you were speaking about uh, hands, that's actually the thing uh, Groschen said he was struggling with the most. Because mm. yeah. he still has like the burn marks and all the uh, wounds sure. from the crash. So running 400 laps or so with my hands on the steering wheel in the same position for like three hours just mm. fucking hurts. <laughs> I can imagine the first time he goes, ah, oh, and stretches his hands out. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear the creaking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if um, uh, you've ever had this, Pedro, but if you're cycling or whether it's pedal bikes or motorcycle in rain or snow, your hands are frozen onto the handlebars. Yeah. You've got to try and, as Chris says, open up your hands. It must be absolutely painful. But it is yeah. interesting. It's not just Grosjean that's making headlines. It's Ericsson. Yeah. Because Ericsson had a... I thought he had an underrated F1 career, but he's now showing that he's clearly better than we probably thought. Yeah. Yeah, well, since, since the 500, he's scored the most points in the championship so far, hasn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, no. it was before getting there. I don't know if it is now, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Has, it has it been surpassed? Yeah, by uh, a Mexican guy. Oh, Paso, award, Pato. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's my pick for the championship just because of the McLaren backing him because he seems like such a fun fun guy he just seems brilliant which yeah. could very well he could very well take Ricardo's seat for 2023 he's, he's got the te- that's the thing because Zach Brown said okay yeah. we'll give you a test if you win a race wins a race straight away yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant and I think uh, although he did have a slight foray didn't he at Austria a couple of years ago in F2 I think that did him an injustice because there's more talent there than we've seen yeah. in one or two. He was the first repeat winner this year, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. 
that's yeah, part of no. the it's part of the beauty of, of IndyCar as well. As as Alex mm. said, you get to see so many drivers that weren't giving enough time or they weren't enough patient with them. And you see all their talent just burst out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. We, we say about this and he's still so damn young. He's got a whole, he's got a massive career ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it is. I think it, we will see more of more XF1 refugees now in IndyCar. And I think possibly super formula, but probably more IndyCar. Yeah. Mm. And it's ironic how the, the guys who struggle the most in IndyCar are the ones that have been racing ovals their whole life. All the NASCAR guys, they have a hell of a time yeah. in there. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson's not quite had the um, impact I think he was looking for, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson may have done this jump or switch for about 10 years too late. Yes. So um, I think um, he's too set in his ways. It's like trying to get Valentino Rossi to now get into Formula 1. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. It Actually, apologize. I don't know if you know who Danek Patrick is. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, he publicly he publicly apologized to uh, to Patrick because it's like I now understand why it was so hard for you to transition to NASCAR because it's mm. hard for me to transition to IndyCar. Yeah. It's the sort of thing is it's probably easy to look at both and just draw comparisons when actually they're two fundamentally different sports in a way. Yeah. And yeah, Danica had um, reasonable success in IndyCar and obviously we know what her NASCAR career was like. <clears throat> yes. Uh, but it's nice it's nice that there's been kind of a public respect uh, public respect from, some, from somebody who is quite so well respected by the NASCAR community. It's quite nice just to see that sort of camaraderie from people. Yeah. Well, sh- shall we jump uh, back to Monza? Yeah, let's go to Monza. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. Ferrari has been making a big deal of this, and I get it, it's their home race, it's Italy, but could they win? I mean, fans think they can win. I think they're off their minds, but I don't know. <laughs> well, um, there's clearly some pace down the straights because they got pole, uh, Leclerc got pole at Baku, and no matter how good you are through the corners at Baku, you've got to be quick down the straight to get pole. So if they go for a full fat, let's have skinniest wings you can get, and all the mechanical grip and see what happened. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were near. Hmm. I'm wondering what their engine situation is like. Have they got like an engine that's... I'd imagine they're going to save their best engine for this race. I mean, absolutely, this is going to be Ferraris. This is yeah. going to be the, the one they throw the kitchen sink at. Um, I think what's been interesting is the way they're hyping it up so much. That's unusual. We didn't get that last year whatsoever. Of course, yes. the Ferrari last year was significantly worse than this year. Um, but yeah, I mean... People, are, people still remember that fantastic shot of Leclerc and then the huge crowd in front of him. And people are desperate for that again. I mean, people who people who aren't even Ferrari fans probably wouldn't mind seeing that, to be completely honest. Um, it's just the issue is, are, are the Mercedes and Red Bull going to be that easy to catch up to? Or potentially the McLaren? I think there's, there's four teams, I think, that could possibly be in the mix here. Of course, Ferrari's home territory, there's going to be a bit of extra added oomph there. There's quite a few. There's quite a few questions that we need to see from Friday practice and possibly even the sprint, the, um, the Friday qualifying, before we can actually really draw a measured prediction. I personally would quite like to see them winning. <laughs> yeah, it would be good to see them win. But I think you've alluded to the team that I think come into this as one of the favourites, and that's McLaren, because they've shown in a straight line, or at the quicker tracks where you don't need as much downforce. They are on it. 
and particularly with Norris, as we saw at Spa, although it was raining, he was clearly quicker than Verstappen and Hamilton in first qualifying sessions. And if they have that speed, I think they could. Norris could be one of the favourites for the race, mm. right? Depending on their engine situation, and I wouldn't discount Alpine because we know how quick they were last year as Renault, and it's fundamentally the same car. So it might be that there, there could be a good four or five teams battling for podium positions and a bad day for, say, a Bottas or a Perez, instead of being fourth or fifth, you're out of, the, you're out of Q3 or out, out in Q2. Well, to be honest, I don't expect Perez to be in Q3. Yeah. yeah. I'm, at this I'm, point, I, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if unless that Red Bull really works, I can see him quite easily being 11th or 12th come the end of qualifying. Well, Friday qualifying. Actually, I wanted to ask a very specific question. You just reminded me of it. Because I've been having this feeling since last season. It feels to me like Perez's car, it's almost like a lab ride, isn't it? <laughs> they try yeah, everything but... in it. And if it works, they put it in Max's car. Yeah. I wouldn't I'm... be surprised. Having, this, ha- this must have happened in F1 before, particularly probably during the 70s and 80s and possibly even the 90s, depending on how who was running the team, but it's, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's, there is something up with that second car. Now mm-hmm. that it's Gasly, uh, Albon, and now Perez. So that there's something going on there. Yeah. He's a we, much better than we think he is. Yeah. Well, we, we know Red Bull have always been a one driver team and go back to um, the British Grand Prix with Mark Webber and that fantastic press conference where he slams the water down. And then, of course, the birth of the not bad for a number two driver. Yeah. We know Red Bull are so I'm sure they want to win the Constructors Championship. But my God, I've got have they got their eyes focused on the um, uh, Drivers Championship. Like I know they would like that. So I'm amazed by just sometimes how blatant it is when you really read it's like they've tested this new front wing it works it's not Paris's anymore like it's <laughs> it's it's amazing just how almost shameless they are with it in a way which is why they need somebody who's a, a, who's okay to put up with that They're, everyone's calling the second red bull seat cursed it's not cursed it's just not favored like that's kind of how mm-hmm. i see it and i i'm I imagine with Monza, where there's going to be such a focus on speed and skinny wings, Perez will be trialing those for Max. I'm pretty sure we'll see something like that this weekend. I believe, but yeah, it's that's the sort of thing. It's it's it's. I always I'm always amazed at how blindingly sort of open they are about it. I don't even try to hide it at this point. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah. Well, should we wrap it up before Zoom uh, kicks us out? Yeah, probably a good idea. Oh, uh, yeah. What are we going to do? Should we do our quick predictions? Top three random point scorers, outside guesses? Let's go for an underdog. Let's go for picks for the race and the sprint race. And what else? Give me your top three, just to finish off. Hmm. Oh, so it's underdog first, is it? So, mm-hmm. ooh, I'm going to... Oh, that's a tough one, actually. I'm going to go for Lance Stroll. Oh, we know he's good at Monza. He likes Monza. If there's a hint of rain, he you'd expect him to be quite good. But I think him that at that clearly the Aston's going to be quite good in a straight line. It's basically the Mercedes from last year, so it probably ain't too bad. Yeah, yeah and he has a certain affinity with the track, and mm. given how close it is, he might find that extra tenth or two that is required. 
And also the Aston Martin car has 007 branding this weekend for the new James Bond film. So that's going to add a couple of extra fans. Oh, yes, it does. Also, <laughs> I, I, we should mention the new livery for the Alfa Romeo because that is oh, the tree beautiful. Car. It's yeah. beautiful. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that it. Permanently. It's fantastic. Agreed. Um, I think my underdog, I'm going to pick uh, Daniel Ricciardo. I think this is going to be the one weekend where it turns around. This will be the one strong performance. The McLaren's going to work for him. It's going to be the one big performance. He's going to get that podium, and this will be the turning point. The only issue is I've said this about five races in a row now, so I'm really hoping it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you All mine, right, then. Yeah, let's go on, Pedro. Bottas. Oh, okay. He's got, nothing, he's, he's got nothing to worry about. New lease of life. He's got... It's still a very fast car, whether he's in it or not. And it's... Is it the fastest car in the straights? It is. Isn't it? It's up there. It's. I think it's them and McLaren were the quickest... Uh, when was the last time we had a properly long straight? Maybe Baku? Way back. Okay. Yeah, for a proper, proper long straight. I think, yeah, they were definitely up there. I think it's... Knowing how they're going to prepare for this, I think they probably will be the quickest car on a straight line yeah who wins the sprint race then Hamilton mm. I think this is a Mercedes weekend I think Red Bull might have something up their sleeve with Verstappen only with, only with Verstappen as we as we discussed previously yes um, I don't know I think the issue is Hamilton and Verstappen are both going to start being quite conservative at this part of the championship I say that maybe they won't be um I'm also wondering, what if we see a complete balls to the wall performance by Norris? What if he just comes out of nowhere, makes the most of the very small amount of laps he's got and gets his car out in front and just makes it wide? So, oh, do I go sensible or do I go about outlandish? I'm going to go outlandish, Norris. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go... Fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Cross all your fingers. There you go, crossed. There it is. <laughs> I'll go Verstappen, and I hope sprint races never come back. Yeah, uh, oh, that as well. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. It's the the novelty of the qualifying on a Friday was fun, and the sprint race is a, an interesting idea. But yeah, it it was an interesting idea that I don't think fits. And I think mm-hmm. the fact every single time they turn, I can hear the car saying "gimmick" as it goes through the corner doesn't really help. So <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd happy not to see them come back either. Right, but then the top three. All right, top three. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to use Chris's logic. I'm going to have Norris at one because oh, really, this is the race where they'll be conservative because this is where the points are and both Hamilton and Verstappen will need to finish and finish on the podium given the chance. This is when, for me, Norris takes advantage and therefore have Hamilton second and Verstappen third. I'm going to... Similar sort of thing with you. I'm picking the same drivers, but I'm going to go... Seeing as I went outlandish with Norris for the sprint race victory, I'm going to go with my conservative belief. I think Verstappen will take it somehow. I think just he'll edge out the Mercedes. I think Hamilton will be second, but then Norris will be third. I think they're going to be the, the three top finishers at the end. Right. Bottas wins. Oh, there we go. Hamilton yes. comes in third. And you put Verstappen in second. Okay. I tell you what, despite the fact we we picked some similar drivers, that's three very different predictions there. That's fantastic. (laughs) That that just shows how good a season we're now having. I came into this season going, nah, this is going to be 2020 all over again. 
and this is it just isn't. You got yeah. so many teams that can potentially be out there. Hamilton Verstappen is just coin flip as to who's going to win it. Yeah, and yeah, this is this is what we want to see in an F one season. Yeah. I love as well that Nor- saying Norris will win is a, a little bit out there, but also it's a very good prediction. That just shows how good this year is. The fact you can make a prediction like that and be like, actually, yeah, that's a, that's a solid shout that could happen. So yeah, now let's see who's going to be the snuggest person on the next podcast, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess that's a wrap for us. Okay. <laughs> good stuff. It's been it was fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh jumping into the idea. A crazy idea that as I said, it just came up in the shower. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming up with it and inviting us. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolute pleasure. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll see you next week. Looking forward to it already. Yes. Yes.